On uh, three, two, one. Uh, welcome to this episode of Rock Talk with Mitch Lafon with myself and Alan Niven. Uh, bonjour, Monsieur Alain. How are you? Uh, upright and breathing. I'm assuming that it's warmer where you are where, than where I am. Let me see here. Uh, let me check my, my quick weather. Oh, it's only minus 10 outside. That's all. It's only minus 10. <laughs> God. Uh, and of course... Uh, on the other side, from uh, not from the Great White North, but formerly of Great White or Jack Russell's Great White, it is a Tony Cardenas Montana. Bonjour, Monsieur Montana. How are you? Bonjour. Very good. Très bien. Très, très bien. So, tons to talk about. You, of course, got the uh, Shadow and the Thrill album that came out, uh, well, uh, probably last year, I think, at this point, right? No, two years ago. Um. Well, just officially on the label and yeah. to the real world, uh, just at the end of 2020. So, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I've had, I had a copy a, a while back, but of course we've got the uh, the single "Crazy" that is doing exceptionally mm-hmm. well uh, officially here. What are we looking at here? I'm on. Uh, we're at about seventy five thousand views on on uh, uh, not Twitter. What, what do you call this? Uh, you call this YouTube? That's what we call it. Yeah, YouTube, and, and we've got the, you know, it's. Uh, I think we're over, uh, you know, about two hundred or maybe a hundred k spins on on Spotify. So people are discovering it, and uh, you know that's all we can hope for. I think uh, once they do get a little taste of it and have a chance to actually listen, then I think we got it. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull this yeah. up. Uh, uh, this came from the news this morning. Uh, Gary Newman of, of course, uh, here in my car, blah, blah, blah. One of my songs got over a million streams and I made 37 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> how, how is it for you in the streaming? Is it uh, is it beneficial? Is it more just sort of an advertisement for, for, for shows down the road? Uh, is it something that needs to be fixed? How do you sort of see the whole streaming? Because a hundred thousand K sounds great until you get the four dollar check. Right, right. <laughs> no, the the, uh, the compensation at this point is negligible, obviously. So uh, I think there's there's got to be some kind of re- legislation to to uh, make that a little more fair. Um, artists, you know, are, are typically getting have been have been and will be and screwed uh, for 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 eons two of the people hanging behind uh, alan niven's uh head right there i'm sure got screwed real good <laughs> you yeah know, uh the old blues artists uh uh that uh never really never got their due and certainly didn't get the money that they were due but um yeah i mean hopefully that'll change it's a good it, right now, it's just a vehicle to to let people let people hear it, yep. and uh, we've been you know we've we've uh, the beautiful the beauty about Spotify too is that it it is worldwide, and so we've saw we've seen a lot of uh, a lot of uh, uh, activity down in South America, which I've never been to, which I would love to go to in 2021 if possible. So. Or, uh, or 2022, and and I, I don't want to sound like you know don't cry me a river, but. Uh, the the $4 you get for the song is a lot more than any of us get for podcasting. We're the unpaid content creators. They they stream the heck out of us and they never send you a penny. Uh, Alan, talk to me about your, your relationship with Tony real quick and, and bringing him into the great white fold. 
I've got good stories. Well, yeah. First How you reeled in the big fish. First of all, I'm going to ask, do you know what Muddy Waters doing the day the Rolling Stones turned up at Chess Studios in Chicago for the first time? Uh, what he was doing? Yeah. Uh, making coffee. I have no idea. What, he playing? He was painting the walls, which absolutely blew the Brits' minds that he was this incredible legend getting an extra couple of bucks by painting the walls of Chess Studio, mm-hmm. which tells you a lot. And in terms of, uh, of, of meeting Mooney for the first time, um, as I recall, I think we spotted him while he was queuing up for the school bus. <laughs> and he, he, he was, what, 13, 14 years old at the time? Uh-oh. Had a uh, a little kiss lunchbox in his hand. Um, Wisely thought... had a kiss with lunchbox. It's very wise. That's good. That's a good thing. There, there's a likely lad. Um, but but no, he came and auditioned and shone. And my 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 reaction was immediate. Yeah, he's great. Um, not really thinking that much of what's it going to be like going almost straight from school onto a tour bus. But I've got to say he handled it with grace and intelligence. And he did really, really well for his young years. Um, And if I was going to make a comment, uh, quite obviously to me in my dotage, my old age, I have to say that uh, Mooney is the most talented all-round member of proper great white really good guitar player has become a really good songwriter has got a terrific voice and no wonder slash took him out on the road with him um to go to australia and dara salam and and uh, i don't know borneo was it oh or man something? all over all over yeah every nook and cranny of the of asia and and australia new zealand didn't you also um, audition for either Velvet Revolver and or um, Slash's band? Because I, I, I think there's some some demos or something out there where you you vocaled. Yeah, yeah. For uh, for Velvet Revolver, there was right. a moment where where Scott, I guess, was on the outs uh, or something, and and so um, and I at that time I I I was for the most part. I don't want to say retired, but I certainly was on to other things other than the music business. And, and uh, I got that, the word of that. And so I hunkered down and, and uh, I got a couple of tracks that they were working on and I had to write something to it and record something. And so uh, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. I, I think, you know, I like what I ended up with. I don't know if, I don't. I don't think anything happened after that, though. Unfortunately, that would have been that would have been something else. That would have been something else. It would have been a way to to keep uh, Velvet Revolver going. I think one of the songs was called Sewer Pipe, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, that's right. <laughs> wow, God bless you. <laughs> yeah, you see, I got my research down. Is, uh, speaking of speaking of research and Alan as a manager, you are the creative, the chief creative director and officer for Venu. Mm-hmm. With uh, Zach Bear and uh, Venu, uh, back in the day, you might have known them as Disc Live. You know, you go to a show and whatever the Black Crows or Kiss or whoever, and 
you know, sort of like the Insta Live kind of thing. Um, talk to me about about what your position is in Venu and and what do you do as a chief creative officer and director? Well, uh, at the moment, um, I have to wear quite a few hats because it is kind of a small crew. But uh, uh, I, I think a part of my responsibility is to uh, usher in any kind of uh, new technology that we're working on, uh, almost a product development you know, uh, kind of uh, position. And we are working right now on uh, a, a device called uh, Soundster, which is meant to uh, listen in to either radio stations or a venue, a live music venue, and to be able to ID music, um, check that music against the database, a fingerprinted database of music, and be able to identify who the publishers are, who the writers are, and be able to provide that information to whoever's supposed to be paying these guys and to speak to your, you know, to, to speak now, to the whole Spotify thing and that 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 whole problem. Uh, this is, you know, our way of, of at least trying to level the field a little bit. Uh, and so far, it's 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 going well. We we're in beta with the the system and, and clear this up for me. How is that different from Shazam? Because everybody's got Shazam on their phone. They hold it up and they go, "Oh, it's uh, Eddie Eddie Murphy party all night long." Great. All right. Uh, uh, how is this different from that? Or is it sort of the same it, thing, but it utilizes that same kind of technology. Okay. And, uh, but the fact is, is that this is a a uh, an actual device that's going to be sitting within a venue, a radio station, whatever, and it will be moder- monitoring 24 hours a day and listening 24 hours a day. So uh, that's that's the idea. A lot of uh, a lot of live music venues and and radio stations are are paying a blanket license to the uh, performance rights organizations. And the idea of actually paying for what they use is a, apparently a, a, a new idea. <laughs> Who would have thought, right? So and, if, if they don't, if they don't play music 24 hours a day, they're not going to get. They shouldn't be charged for playing music 24 hours a day. And in the you know on the other side of the coin, whatever they do play, the correct people should be paid for those. Uh, for those performances right right now there's an algorithm that the pros use to pay artists and it's not necessarily has nothing to do with uh with with the actual uh plays of of music it has to do with other things the charts and uh you know in 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 that case you can imagine that uh artists that you know like the ones behind alan's head there are being they're being played they're being they're being uh exposed significantly but are they getting are their estates getting uh compensated probably not <laughs> so um this is a way to why shouldn't we have actual data it's possible in, in this day and age so why don't we go after that so that's what we're doing right and that and that seems beneficial to the bars to not pay a blanket license if they're not playing music 24 hours a day and it seems fair because the way i see it is Sort of the the big bands, you know, the 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 mighty gets, you know, the rich get richer, 
and an independent artist who might be getting a, some plays in a small indie club never gets a penny because they're not accounted for. Yeah, that's what we're going after, and and hopefully that'll um, that'll progress, and it'll be something. Else. You know, it's just something for me to. I've I've always been a tech-minded guy, music-minded guy. I did have my own company for many years called Disc Factory. That was uh, that was my, uh, you know, a little minor hit for me, <laughs> you know, outside of music. And yeah, um, Disc Factory well, uh, generated thirteen million dollars of revenue. It was it in two thousand five. Healthy little business. Yeah, it was an Inc. 500, you know, uh, uh, noted company for in those years. Uh, right. One of the fastest growing companies in the United States. I'm going to throw the, uh, the, 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 the obvious but maybe somewhat silly question. If you're having this uh, success with Dis Factory, uh, you know, um, in 2005, it's the uh, 500 fastest growing companies in America, yada, yada, yada. Why go out with Jack Russell and tour the small clubs and play the pl- the small things? Why bother with Shadow and the Thrill? Why why sit here on on a on a FaceTime chat with me? Why not just go be the company and just have a private island? <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> I, you know it, it it never was at that level. Uh, you know uh, Forbes uh, five hundred would be would have been nice, uh, but it 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 was it was uh, it was moderately successful it was lovely to be um part of 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 an entity and to be responsible for that entity that provided jobs and and helped people put their kids through school and put food on their table and let them pay their rents you know for for the employees and stuff that was cool but i will i will be honest to be honest i uh after conceptualizing something and building something and launching it and, and getting that baby up on its feet and toddling around. Um, the next step is a, is a pure business play of just trying to beat the numbers every year. And you know what? That is just a drag. <laughs> that is a drag. And there's, there's no, it, it just, it has no, uh, there's no excitement there for me. Right. Uh, so to start something new, to be, a, you know, uh, some kind of a serial entrepreneur, maybe is what you would say I am. Uh, maybe uh, that is kind of what draws me. And and what I did directly to get out of Disc Factory and to extricate myself from that partnership, which would gone kind of sour, um, was to start another venture called Monster Circus, which was a a, a, a kind of a full high production uh, Vegas show that we did for a little while there until, you know, we had some problems. And, and then after that, you know, I, I got to play with Slash for a little bit. And then, and then Jack came knocking and I was like, you know, I'm ready to play this music again. I'm ready to, it took me a while to, to be in that headspace, to be able to go back to that time in my life in, in great white and to, and to play that music again. The, one of the things that really did push me over the edge, though, was to go see the band live, to see Jack with these guys that were the band at the time. And, you know, although I think everybody was, uh, you know, certainly a competent musician, I, the, the, I felt like it was, a, it, it, was, it was important for me to contribute to uh, the the steward uh 
uh, of of my legacy with the band. Right. Um, let me let me put it a little simply. <laughs> okay. Let, let, let me put it a little simple, because well, I remember the telephone conversation, and I was asking the similar questions, and 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 Mooney put it perfectly. It came from a performer's heart, and he said, "Nib, they're all out there having fun with my songs. Why can't I go and have fun with my songs?" And I said, "When you put it like that, go for it." Yeah. There yeah, you go. That, absolutely. And uh, we've had we've had a good time. But uh, let we, me, had, we haven't had a good time out there with Jack. And uh, let me talk about good, having a good time just real quick, because there yeah. were, you know, two great whites for a while. There were lawsuits. You know, I was even de deposed in the great white lawsuit. They had asked me some stuff. Wow. Um, yeah. Good times. <laughs> Nothing says good times like getting a lawyer's letter. Um that stuff was going on and, and did did you were you hesitant at all in getting back into that situation where there was these two factions and there was fighting or did you just say you know what I'm just going to go play the music I'm just not, I'm not going to bother with this just focus on the music and not get sucked into that drama drama well my uh my my uh my experience with my show in Vegas um had taught me quite a bit about litigation, and uh, I ended up with that with that uh, uh, organization again. You know, versus uh, uh, some nefarious characters out of Vegas um, in a federal in a federal lawsuit. Um, so uh, I looked at I looked at the whole entry into Great White through that through that glass, and. Immediately, as soon as it got out that Jack had asked if I would play with him, um, there were some threats from the other camp. <laughs> the sharks were, were circling, going, right? Yeah, they were going to sue. They were going to sue me personally uh, to for whatever. To for, it was just baseless, right? So it gave me a little bit of pause, but uh, I knew it was a bunch of BS and. So Jack and I just kind of said, you know, I guess we just kind of locked arms and said, we're, we're going to do this. And I will say that I sat with Jack on one side of the aisle against the other guys on the other side of the aisle in federal court in Los Angeles um, to fight for our right to be able to, to, to go play our, our music. Yeah. And, and, you know, listen, I think it turned out great. You've got great white. And with you know Mitch uh, doing his thing, and and you've got Jack Russell's great white. I, I, <laughs> what? What? I, look at that! I, I, oh. Come on, I, I have it! I wait, have wait. I have it right here, live. Um, <clears throat> what's the, what's the label called? Mediocre Karaoke. Uh, it, it's called. Uh, it's it's on the Great White 2020 label. Look at that. Oh, okay. All right. You know, I, yeah, I, I'm not going to throw any darts at it. I've listened to Me it. Either. Listen, I've listened to it musically. It's it's where it should be. Um, if you sort of close your eyes and pretend that it's Warrant or Def Leppard or some band with like a cleaner kind of vocal, it, it works. But is it down and dirty, great white? I mean, you know, Jack is great white. Stephen Piercy is rat. And, you know, you can argue whatever else you want, but... 
I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> I'm going to leave it go. at that. There you know, but 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 Jack does uh, Jack does great. So um, talk to me about coming into the band because you know Lorne is there. You replace Lorne, and the band is 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 on an upward trajectory. Um, how was that for you in terms of, of coming in and, and involving yourself in the band? Did, did you have the freedom to be Tony or did they say, hey, this is what Lorne does, just follow that? Or did they say, hey, you're the new kid, just just do what we tell you? How was it for you to insert yourself in the band? I think there was a, there, there might have been a little bit of, you know, the new guy and just kind of, you know, fall around uh, along a little bit. Um, I'll give you a story, though. Pretend Alan's uh, not here. Did did Alan tell you just to sit in the corner and do well, what you're you going to pretend? If you're going to pretend I'm not here, I'm just going to throw one comment in, and that comment is in terms of the new boy, who one. And I'll tell you this. I'll put it. I'll put it in 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 this uh, context. Slash's favorite great white riff is Mr. Bone, and the new boy came up with that. <laughs> they, you know it's what? I, there was there was certainly a feeling of responsibility that if I'm going to come in, I certainly I don't want to be the reason that the tour and the subsequent albums are less successful than what I had walked on into. So uh, I I was I was bound and determined not to let that happen, and I I was going to you know try to be helpful try to be a, a contributor and and you know it that's how it ended up it, it ended up us us being really becoming a band and that's the first time I ever felt like I was really well not the first time but there is that there is a feeling of being you're a gang now you're a gang you know and you're going to go out and you're going to kick ass and if anybody walks up and uh you know uh nudges the your one of your bandmates in the back you're going to you're going to be all over them, you know, and that's the feeling that I had with those guys in, at that time. And we, we carried that along for a, for a while. And we did, we did some good work in those five years that I was with the guys. Yeah. We did quite a bit of work. And when I look back on it now, uh, obviously, uh, Alan and, and, and management and, and uh, the label and all those people working together, really you really compress uh as much uh uh you know uh, output as you can into those into those years into that time period because you have to take advantage of it you've worked you know they had worked so hard to to, to get to that level um you you have to you have to just take advantage of it and you know it's it's hopefully it's uh, it's a lesson that i'll be able to uh, I'll be able to exercise here in, in the coming, you know, years doing my doing whatever it is I do now. The shadow and the thrill. Uh, answer the question: uh, Yes or no? Hooked is Great White's greatest album, and Call It Rock and Roll, written by Tony Montana, is the band's greatest song. Yes or no? <laughs> the answer is yes. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> yes, I guess. <laughs> okay, but you know, obviously. It, it, I was a contributor in, and as well, same thing with Mr. Bone. Um, but uh, yeah, those are fun. And you know, it, it is, there is some gratification there being in the band and, and playing those songs out when I'm out with Jack and for people to, to recognize and still 
uh, and still enjoy them. You know, that's, it's good. Yeah. So in terms of Shadow and the Thrill, the album came out recently, as you said, on, on a record label and so on and so forth. Where do we go from here? Is it is it a side project that you just did because you wanted to do something fun? Or is it a band that you're going to get out into the clubs when they open, of course, and, and tour it and second album, third album? What's sort of the plan? I certainly do want to play. Uh, I'm, I, I, you know... It, it Shadow and the Thrill really, and everybody asks me who's Shadow, who's the Thrill. I, I suppose that Shadow guys is me. That's my little you know brooding part of me, my you know blues singer, blues guitar guy uh, uh, persona. Um, the Thrill is whoever's going to be playing with me, and I've got I've got some I've got great friends that are all great players and performers. And um, I'm going to take, you know, I'll take out who who makes sense at the time. We're going to go out and play. We're going to go out and deliver this uh, because it's worth it's worth the effort. It's it's worth hearing. And right now we've got a full you know frontal assault on on radio. Uh, as you know, uh, whether whether radio is a, a factor anymore in some people's minds or not um it's a factor to me and uh well you know i'm gonna ask you this because i had this discussion with with uh, a guy here in montreal called jeremy white he's he's our number one uh on-air host in, in montreal and and he said you know what radio does matter because radio pays and so you want to have a single on radio because you can have your million streams and your four bucks or you can be on, you know, 50 markets and get a nice chunk of change. So it does matter to the artist. It does matter, and it provides us, uh, 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 you know, an introduction to that market and to go play, to go play live for folks. It, that is absolutely my, my goal. Um, I've got, you know, I've got shows with Jack. Um, I'll have shows with, with Shadow, and Thrill, Shadow and the Thrill and, and we'll uh, we're just hopefully going to round out the year uh, when we everybody gets up and going. We'll just we'll stay busy. That's really what we want. Yeah, well, I have a, I have a quick quick uh, uh, note. Yes, and this is from Alan because he's speaking of my first day and you know meeting Alan for the first time. He comes in and he's and and Alan is a presence, and anybody in the industry. We'll tell you that he walks in a room and is like, oh, geez, <laughs> you know, he, he comes in the room and we're playing and I'm doing my thing and he's sitting there and I, and I walk over to meet him and he asks me, uh, do you have any drug convictions? And I thought, because I, I mean, that's a, like the last thing and me personally would, that would ever happen to me. I'm thinking convictions. I'm thinking he means do am I am I interested? Uh, do I really like some certain drugs or not? Convictions in that sense of the word, I'm like, no, I don't. I'm like really not in. <laughs> I mean, he's asking me from a purely pragmatic, you know, standpoint. Do you have any convictions? Because we're going to try to get out of the country and go play. <laughs> That's going to be a problem if you do. So, anyways, you didn't know that, but I thought that was pretty funny. That's right. His conv- and then of course you go ahead and, and record a song called Wasted Rock Rangers, which is 
Right. <laughs> totally. Well, uh, that wait, wait, it's a great song. I have to say, Alan. Uh, any any questions that you want to add, or anything you want to you want to throw in here? Not really. I mean, the the one thing that uh, that resonated with me that Tony was just saying is that. It is quite extraordinary that material that we worked on 30 years ago still connects, still sounds good on the radio, still sounds to have the vibrancy that we thought it had the day we recorded it. I mean, that's your, that's your test right there. The test of time is all. And for us to still be on the radio and for me to be able to hear something almost every single day is really quite extraordinary. It is. And uh, we have a channel up here on TV called Loud. Uh, Bell Media plays this channel called Loud and, and they play these rock videos all day. And I see Great White pop up once a day. I mean, you know, the Ooh. other the other day I, I was surprised because they had Great White and they followed it right up with Trickster and I was like, look at that. Now we're really going. But, uh, yeah, so... Well, and again, this is from the benefit of hindsight, but I think it's fair to claim that that band produced a wider, more interesting and more eclectic catalogue than almost any of their contemporaries. Because one of the things that we didn't do was try and remake the same song over and over again. And we tried to negotiate our way through different states of mind, different emotions, di different atmospheres. And if you actually go back and, and look at the whole Great White catalog from that period of time, you know, if we say, you know, 87 for the next five years, it's a very solid body of work. It is, and, and and let me let me ask you this because we we've had this debate since then of oh hair metal hair metal hair metal a, a word that I personally don't I mean I, I have nothing against it. it whatever it is it is what it is but you and Tesla and Cinderella you all got lumped into that and I don't think you were doing that sort of straight ahead melodic rock I think there was a lot of blues influence there was a lot of other stuff going on. Um, did it harm you or hurt you or, or help you to be lumped in with the warrants and the poisons and then, you know, get onto the Scorpions tours or 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 did getting lumped into that scene eventually hurt you as we moved into the 90s? Well, well I, 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 I don't think it did as much good. Um, and there was a period of time when one of my little managerial dictums I laid down the law. I said, keep out of Hollywood. Don't be associated with the uh, other Hollywood bands because I could see where that was going. And it's like anything. When you get a, get a wave of success, it becomes formula. And we got into a terrible pattern of formula. Mm -hmm. uh, it's called the power ballad. You know, the two oh, rockers in the ballad and the amount of Aquanet that you had to use and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, but that's why I, why I mentioned Great White Blog, because if you go back and look at the whole box of tricks there, um, I think you'd walk away saying this band is more like a early 70s British blues rock band than a Hollywood hair band. Certainly, yeah. certainly. And, and to speak to that, and I'll tell you, 
um, that is a lesson I learned from Alan, you know, very, you know, uh, Alan's been obviously a, 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 almost a constant in my life since, since that time. And I've always listened very closely to what he has to say, um, to make an album and to fashion your, your work, not so much around a genre or a sound, but to just try to kick out good songs. And that is what I tried to do with, uh, with Sugar Bowl, this, this album, you know, from Shadow and the Thrill. It is, I've heard people say, oh, it's kind of eclectic. And I'm thinking, it's just, they're just songs, man. You know, no, they don't all sound the same. No, you can't, you can't pigeon, you can't, you know, uh, put that uh, round peg in that square hole, but whatever. It's it's honest, and um, I think that having at least a, a, some, you know, it's still a rock record, but it's it's certainly varied, and 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 there's a lot of different you know different moods and, and vibes and atmospheres in there. That's something I definitely learned from Alan. Um, speaking of hair metal, I was thinking about this while I was in the shower taming this fucking mane um which i am going to chop off and donate to some wig maker for somewhere, somewhere. yeah that's what that's what i did last week <clears throat> <laughs> um you know I, it, when i was a, a teenager teaching guitar in the store where great white where i met the guys from great white or, or got the audition from you know back in that time you know your your length of your hair or whatever was 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 not so much a fashion statement as as much as it was a statement of you know what I'm gonna play I'm gonna play music and I'm not I can't work at McDonald's I can't I can't do anything that's normal <laughs> you know this is this is a statement of my uh, my commitment and the longer it was the more committed you were <laughs> because for sure you're not going to get a, get a job doing anything normal. Eric Brittingham was committed. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when they say, when they say hair metal and they treat it as though it was, you know, there's these beauty shots and, you know, guys flipping their hair around and stuff. Yeah. It's lame, but it, the, the, the impetus of it was, something else yeah. anyway and, and yeah, listen i want to tell you something else. i don't get insulted by hair metal when you say it it I describes mean. a scene and you go oh okay i know what we're talking about i mean it's a, it's an adjective but anyway uh, yeah i guess so it, it has it's become uh an endear you know a term of endearment really in a lot of uh respects yeah and, and, and everybody else. runs over to hair nation on on sirius right. xm they're, they're, nobody's right. complaining anyway whatever at least right. it's not poodle right. rock like they called it in the states um the uk <laughs> I want to say that also, yes. you know, I, I, I listened to the, the, uh, Klaus mine, uh, interview you guys did. And that was, that was awesome. And to be on the same, be on with you is, is, uh, is, uh, it's an honor. Uh, I, I love you with you guys. Merci bien. When, uh, well, there we go. We'll call it a day. That, that was perfect. Thank you. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, we'll we'll end on you complimenting me. That's that's the best way I should end all of my interviews. <laughs> all right. Oh, thank you, Alan. Thank you, uh, Tony, uh, Chief Creative Officer and Director for Venu. You can check that out at venu.com and of course Shadow and the Thrill and uh, Great White. No, Jack Russell's Great White. 
Uh, yeah. Plenty of stuff going on. Thank you. Thank you, Alan. Merci, everybody. Cheers, guys. I'll be in tow. <laughs>